Hello and welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Mark, Stephen, and Gerald. And this week we will be talking about in-person versus remote conferences. So my friends, uh, summer is here. It is quite nice and warm in the studio right now. Uh, there is over 30 degrees Celsius outside. Sun is shining. I think Stephen was the only one who remembered that you could actually install an AC in your recording booth. So nice one there, Stephen. But I think that's not the news that we want to talk about. Windows 11 was announced. So I'm guessing here Windows 10 might not be the final Windows version ever. Uh, there seems to be a new kid on the block. My knowledge is that the menu taskbar is now new in the center. And that's about how much I, I saw. But I thought, hey, my good friend Gerald, he knows all the things. He's on all the news channels. So Gerald, what am I missing? Absolutely, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting what you mentioned, right? I think at some point they kind of announced like Windows 10 is going to be the final version that we're just going to iterate over that because the updates will be coming and there will be, you know, it's not like Windows 95 and 2000 and, and, and XP and whatnot where you had to get the new disk with the whole new version. Uh, the, the wisest choice was to wipe your whole machine, start over, because that was the thing. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. They also they, they already announced that there is going to be a big event on June 24th, uh, which is by the time that you're listening to this, almost. Um, so, you know, and that's probably where Windows 11 was going to be announced. But what happened is what happens a lot. It got leaked, and now everyone can already try it. Um, so yeah, like Mark already mentioned, the start button now seems to be in the center, which is, um, I have seen people who liked it. I've seen people who hated it, of course, as with everything. Um, but you know, there is the option I already saw that you could put it back in the left corner. So no worries. Um, and I think one of the big things that a lot of people are really happy about is that it looks very consistent. I think that is something that has been missing for um, the past few years, maybe a decade. That you know, there was of course Windows 8, which which tried to combine the the tablet things with the desktop things. Uh, so you suddenly had that Metro design, and that's still in there with Windows 10. But there was also some other things attempted with new looks and new icons. Um, so I think with this version, they're finally you know um, getting everything back in the same design. There are some new animations when windows are popping up. You know all kinds of things across the board. I haven't actually played with it myself uh, yet. Uh, just actually just before walking in the studio here, I saw a tweet from Paul Thurrett. He's like for a long, long time follower of all the news on Microsoft and Windows. Uh, so you might know him. And he tweeted something like, thank goodness some um, Windows still stayed the same. So I think that that kind of computer system management thing, which just has the tree view on the left, uh, where you can go to your disk management and whatnot, that window is still exactly the same. So, you know, there's still some legacy windows in there. But um, yeah, I think overall it, it looks much better. And um, I'm curious to try it. You could see that, you know, there is well is it influence from mac os i don't know at least there's some same concepts let's put it like that where the programs now have a little dot or a little um horizontal bar beneath it uh so that you can see if there's actually windows open uh from that program or that application uh those kinds of things and overall you know it has a nice fresh look so yeah mark that's 
what is there to know right now? I, did, I didn't know that I can actually try it out. Um, I will have to check if I can find that secret, not anymore longer, so secret link. So uh, technically, you should be able to try it out. So, you know, I don't know what they're going to do if you log in with your Microsoft MVP credentials. I'm sure you can be banned for life. Uh, so, you know, just a word of caution here. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Okay, I'll use Stevens. Oh, okay. Perfect. I don't want to. <laughs> you install it. Yeah. No, I, I have to say, I, I like the, the visuals that I saw. Whereas, as, as you said, Gerald, some people will hate it. Some people will love it. I like the the whole, I think it's fluent design that they call it, um, with that little semi-blurred transparency backgrounds and all that all that stuff. But it's, it's also, like you said, uh, and I heard earlier in the week already, if you dive two levels deep into control panel, all of a sudden you're greeted by a Windows 95 type window. So I, I hope they kind of even out the experience a bit more, but I can also see that that is quite a daunting task to even undertake with the amount of windows that are there are in windows um so yeah it's uh i I hope they do it but i don't see it happening to be honest i think that's always a bit of thing i mean if you think about how long Windows has been around and especially certain parts of it uh i could also imagine that not every window that is shown to you is actually written with the same software base so maybe some of them are very low level c plus plus kind of things and then you got some wpf coming in there maybe even some uwp uh things floating in and yeah i think it will be interesting uh, i think that it might not be a coincidence that a project reunion is on its way where all these ui things uh, seem to be now merged together so you can get a nice look and feel i i remember those days also back in windows 8 when it came out and then you had like this brand new design everything was flat and then when you clicked on some link or some button suddenly the old windows 7-ish dialogue popped up and said hello how may i help you so we'll see follow along uh 24th we'll put a sh- link into the show notes uh so you can be there and see how this puppy will be announced to the world and how it will evolve from there on out. We said it uh, at the beginning today, we want to talk about conferences. One thing that the three of us really liked to attend while they were still in person, and now we are attending them more or less virtually. And this thing has been going on since this pandemic thingy has been going on. And I think it started back in March of 2020, and we now have june 2020 from the feeling so yeah what are, what are your thoughts on this how, how do you how do you remember it when i mean uh we we suddenly all our conferences that we were looking forward to were cancelled well for me the first thing that was cancelled was the mvp summit and i still kind of remember like it was pretty close up front and i remember going jesus why are we cancelling this this is <laughs> For just a flu, and then the rest of the year happened, and just the flu became a bit more than just the flu, obviously. But in in hindsight, obviously, it was the right decision to do so. But it it still kind of stung because I was looking forward to it for a year, so that uh, that wasn't the greatest. But I I see the the reasoning behind it for the global well being of everyone. I think that was it was very cancelled very late, right? I think it was one of the well, one of the last uh, air quotes events that was cancelled because a, a lot of other stuff already was cancelled, and uh, Microsoft was still, you know, not really uh, communicating about what they were going to do. Probably 
deciding on the last minute. Uh, but yeah, and also Seattle, the Seattle airport, I think is kind of a, uh, airport that that combine that uh, connects uh, like the, the the western world and the the eastern world so a lot of traffic from like you know China that kind of area Asia and the US of course and Europe so you know that that was kind of an extra risk uh, but yeah I was kind of in the same not the MVP summit because I can't go anymore uh, but I was going to actually go to the Microsoft campus to meet my team the people that I've been working with. Uh, for the first time, so you know, and now we're suddenly fast forward a year in the future, and I still haven't met or seen them, <laughs> uh, and I'm in a different team altogether. So you know that that wasn't great either, um, and you know, so that's not kind of a public conference, but that was a thing that uh, I was really looking forward to, and uh, that got canceled as well. It was kind of in the same time frame, I think. So the news was definitely shocking at first. Uh, I remember also being like in the camp. Oh, this is. How how hard how terrible can it end up being? And uh, I think the news headlines and the numbers show that it's uh, it was a good decision to cancel these in person events. And thinking today that one day we might be together with hundreds of people within the same building and room uh, still is a bit odd to be honest. But yeah, we, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, th- there were quite a few events that I usually attended. Um, the Xamarin Expert Day, which uh, will happen this year too, but I think it's still remote. Am I right, Gerald? You're like one of the key mm-hmm. players. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things that we've been doing in person, of course, because everything was in person. But we've been doing it in Cologne, Germany, started very small, then grew a little, grew a little, and then suddenly, you know, pandemic, what are we going to do? Um, so we decided to make it easy on ourselves, just one track, broadcast it live. So I think it is eight sessions or something like that. So, you know, nothing too crazy. I think it's it's pretty good to um, not let your attention span go to waste too much. Um, so, yeah, we did that. And it was, I think, a great success. I mean, the plus side of all of this is that it's more inclusive, right? That more people can get to go uh, because a lot of the things also are now uh, free or at least uh, partially free uh, and you can have speakers from all around the world because you know we were doing it locally and we were lucky enough to have uh, for our last in-person event James Montemagno which was really cool before that we had Jim Bennett and uh, Mike James so that was that was really cool but you know now we can suddenly have David Ortnow who is not going to fly over um, rightfully for our little event because of all kinds of reasons right and and now we suddenly can have a session by him so that's very cool uh, so I think it was a success and we're going to do it again this year October 1st because we have now as a star speaker rock star speaker Maddie Legere uh, and we actually originally had it planned on October 8th but that is her wedding date oh. so this is pretty much going to be the last session where she is called Maddie Legere and then she's going by a new name so you're gonna have to check it out absolutely and not just because of the name change uh, I think Maddie's always uh, very insightful whenever she gives a talk uh, looking forward to it already. and that too but one aspect that you just now brought up, Gerald, I think when when these the MVP summit in person was cancelled, and you said the timeline was quite uh, close, but the the organization team behind the MVP summit, and I think this was not just that team, but for many conferences, they were suddenly faced with the decision: should we go virtual or should we just cancel everything? And I think uh, a lot of conferences 
yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a mixed thing. Uh, so some they cancelled, some they said, okay, we'll go virtual this year. And there were quite a few experiences that had to be also made on the organizer side. I mean, how do you uh, bring your speakers together, reliable internet connections, um, having good camera, having a good audio, all these things suddenly were not anymore as easy to do as when you're standing in the room with everybody else being able to see you. Uh, so these things, they they got, I think, a bit trickier for organizers to uh, do these things. And one can see there has been quite a lot of learnings going on in this space, like shorter sessions, as you mentioned, Gerald. I just have seen quite a few uh, developer keynotes or developer uh, conferences going on, the big ones, the Google I.O., the Microsoft Builds, and also the DC. And you can see there has been some progress. I mean, also how the Hanselman keynote was made, which was, I think, quite original, making it a bit like a sitcom, seeing how they prepare stuff. So yeah, there have definitely been some changes going around. I agree. The um, the format where you can actually pre-record your session and have like that kind of sit sitcom style thing that that's pretty fun, and that obviously is kind of hard to pull off if you are having a an in-person conference because people would just be watching a recorded video on a big screen. Or maybe you could combine the two, obviously, to have it go both ways, but. Yeah, I think it it leads to people having to be a bit more creative, which is fun to see if uh, if done correctly. Yeah, and it kind of you know going back to the Windows eleven, some people like it, some people hate it. It's the same here, right? I think we've made at least let's 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 talk for myself. I've made no secret about it that at some point it was too much because you know there is so many conferences that you can go in person. Uh, because of all kinds of reasons. And now suddenly, you know, you can basically go to all the conferences all the time, but it's just the content, right? I mean, there's nice platforms that were built maybe during the pandemic or that were already available and just now only discovered for, um, you know, kind of simulating the hallway track. And for people who don't know what that is, basically you bump into each other in the hallway between sessions and then you start talking there. Uh, maybe you haven't seen each other for a long time, that kind of stuff. It never comes close so you have all these kinds of sessions and it's kind of a knowledge overload which is which is cool but also a lot of that content is available somewhere else or for free or so you know it's just too much and it it, yeah for me it just takes you know it's still valuable to do i think a lot of people can learn a lot from from doing that but at some point you know it was enough and it's just not as fun to go to actual conferences where you indeed for me again it's just about meeting all those people um that i've been seeing mostly on these conferences uh meeting them again see what's going on in their lives have a drink or two together and um yeah basically that i remember some conferences trying to emulate the hallway talk experience and i think that's also like my biggest thing that I'm missing right now with all these uh, virtual conferences is, I mean, sure, that the sessions you can still get there. Everybody gets a front seat row. There are often some ways how you can ask questions either via chat or some even allow the attendees to use their own microphone. And so I think you still get the sessions are, are really cool. One other thing that I noticed, apart from not being able to socialize around, is also you actually have to block out the time to attend a virtual conference. So uh, I remember that some conferences, they took place uh, in the 
US time zone, which is in the evening for me. So I just thought, oh, this is cool. I'll just uh, pop in in the evening. And you then suddenly realize that after two or three sessions, it's uh, quite brain taxing to follow along with these talks, uh, get all these new ideas into your head. You have already been working a full day long. Yeah, it was it was just a bit different to to attend those conferences. And whenever I thought, oh, this conference is happening during the day, I'll just pop in whenever I have time. Uh, usually it ended up in me having to ask for the recordings of the sessions if there were any because, yeah, the day just kind of filled up with work. And if you are at a conference, well, guess what? You are not really at work. People will not think you are there for their uh, talking and chatting and chit-chats and you can just really dive into this conference experience. The virtual thing, as you said, Gerald, I mean, it's got its upsides. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's bad because I could attend some conferences that I probably wouldn't have been able to attend in person because I would have to fly around the globe to get there. I, I fully agree with that sentiment. I mean, sure, I could just sit here and call you, Mark, or call anyone I wanted to talk to. I mean, that works, but it's it's just not the same as bumping into one another after a session where you can actually have something that you just saw, which you can talk about. And, you know, it's it's just a lot less the incentive isn't really there basically i mean sure i could call up all my internet friends and chat with him how are you doing how are you that takes a lot of time as well but it's it's just nice to to be somewhere where the things you're talking about like it's it's in the same context and it's just one big experience basically so yeah that that is definitely the part that hit me the hardest i absolutely feel you there steven um one thing that comes to mind is like scheduling like these spontaneous coffee calls uh during 2020 <laughs> and now where it's like it's on your schedule it's no longer spontaneous but yeah i mean the coffee's nice and also meeting someone while you're not in your own house it's just i don't, I don't know when i'm at a conference venue it's just it's a different atmosphere you get you get caught up in it and uh yeah it can be really inspiring so I, I'm looking forward to attending again local conferences in, in the future. But how do, how do you guys think it will be in 2021? Will we already see some conferences going in person again or will we still be mainly remote? I mean, I, I got my first vaccine shot, uh, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I, I have mine planned and I assume that after a certain vaccination degree has been achieved in each country uh, i'm sure their governments will start opening up things i mean i believe i've already heard the dutch government talk about events possibly being scheduled again for a x amount of people so as long as the the things we want to visit are in that kind of range i think they could come back near the end of the year for this year at least i think next year probably it could be even more obviously, as vaccination efforts are being uh, expanded upon. But I don't know. I think a lot of these companies might still be sort of hesitant. I mean, you already see in, in Gerald's case with the, the Zamax per day, some people might say, let's do it in real life. Some might say, nah, let's, let's just not do that for now. So what, when is the time that you're going to say, okay, now it's now it's safe to do it again? Like, I would say that has to be government 
sanctioned in a way yeah that's exactly how it went for us as well like you know we are going to do this in october we don't know how it's going to be by then so what are we going to do are we going to take our chances and and do something in person and then maybe we have to switch the whole thing around or are we going to play it safe for another year another couple of months uh do it virtual and see from there but i know and i don't know which ones actually but i know there are already a couple of events that are um, planning to do it in person, I think somewhere in the fall. So uh, it's definitely going to happen again. And I think also with like Microsoft in the US, like the whole campus, I think they're planning on reopening also in fall mostly. So, um, you know, it's definitely, there's definitely some movement going on there. But um, yeah, it's still, you know, uh, taking a chance basically, uh, depending on where in the world you are, um, if if things will go through, yes or no. The first conference that I heard of that should go again back in person was the Developer Week this summer in Nuremberg, Germany, and they were they were really gunning for making it in person. But I just think that the whole vaccination schedule was planned to be done in in summer for Europe and also Switzerland. So I was really hopeful to be able to go there and meet again people in person. But uh, yeah, the, the schedule is a bit delayed. I think uh, the goals around the countries that we live in is about July or August to have people fully vaccinated. And I think this is like a, a necessary step to, to open this up. And uh, if you then look uh, abroad, like in an intercontinental context, I think this will be even more complex because there is a lot of vaccine that has to be produced and also be distributed so that we can have this uh, yeah fully vaccinated earth yeah exactly and you know that i mean it's so much complexer than just you know where is organizing and how the restrictions are at that time because you know you also want uh, depending on the conference, people to come, right? And if you are in a country that is behind on the vaccinations, uh, then you might look at quarantine time or um, some kind of that if you actually want to travel to these conferences from maybe abroad or whatnot. Although, you know, most of the people will probably come from um, locally, of course, but then, you know, same goes for the speakers maybe uh, that you want to fly in. So yeah, there's there's a lots of things to consider here. And uh, I can definitely understand how organizers for these conferences, you know, uh, are not willing to take chances because uh, this is probably a big part of their income or their whole income to altogether. So this is, this is their job and um, you don't want to mess with that so yeah i i think we'll just have to see and it's also like you know you can't just decide like okay now all the restrictions are gone so let's do a conference tomorrow because a lot of planning and stuff goes in there um so you know you're talking about you have to plan months ahead that's true that's true and for our speakers i mean for our speakers i mean we, we three we all like to give talks then at their conferences uh if they let us grab the stage and the world has also changed for us. I mean, giving a talk is is a bit different when you give it from your home office than when you're in person. Some bits and pieces have changed. I know that, Gerald, you have invested heavily in your gear. Uh, I guess this is not only for the conferences, but also for your YouTube presence. But uh, yeah, getting a, a good microphone, getting a nice camera, getting some good lighting set up, all those things, they matter. And they really can make a difference to make a a nice presentation for people that consume it. And above of that, I think it's also like the way how you, you give the talks has changed. So usually when you're a speaker, you're in a room, you see the people that are attending your talk and you can judge from their 
faces if they understand your message, if you are too fast, if your joke, if people are actually laughing, or if it's just the reflection of you in the camera that is smiling back at your joke. I mean, those things, they, they matter to me. How, how was it for you giving remote talks in these past few weeks, months? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, also here, it I think this is the theme of this episode. You know, there's good sides, there's bad sides because it's much more relaxed. You don't have to travel. Also here, the commute, it, it doesn't exist because Ahab, as much fun as it is to travel halfway around the world, see beautiful places, meet nice people, um, you know, it's also very heavy uh, maybe on your family who stays at home. Um, so, you know, it's it's good to not have that commute as well. Um, it would be just great if they could just invent transporters, basically, that you could be there in a second and then back. Um, so, and that's great. So, and you can have your, you can have this full setup, right? Like you said, like I have the camera also for my YouTube influencer career, almost 6K, yay. Um, but I can have my two screens. I can have all the things here. Um, to help me, right? I could, I could, if I wanted to, I could write a whole script with everything that I wanted to say right here on a screen. And that's something that is almost impossible to do whenever you're on a live stage, right? Because then you're there, um, the screen is all, whatever is on your screen is also shown to uh, the audience usually, unless you're, you know, carrying around some other stuff that people um, do sometimes. But I just have that one machine where I have all the things on and you're going to demo on it and you show the slides. Uh, but here, so it, that's much more relaxed, right? I can just do the slides here, have all kinds of notes or other stuff prepared on the other screen. Another challenge that you might have have is I think I noticed that early on is your internet connection um, so especially here in the Netherlands if you have internet going through your coax thing so your which is the thing that you use here for connecting your uh, TV signal your television signal uh, but since a long time that's also used for your internet connection uh, but you have this thing where you can download like 200 megabits 500 i think one gigabit even now through these lines but the upload is you know it's 20 megabytes or something so that's really really out of balance um, and you know, if you want to do these kinds of things, these talks, these these conference—not uh, conferences, well, conference calls—you're uh, gonna also need a little bit of upload, right? So, uh, at some point, I switched ISPs, and uh, now I have like a synchronous upload download of uh, 200 or 500. I don't even know, uh, but it's more than enough. But that's like the other thing, right? That's the other challenge that you suddenly have, which you don't have if you're somewhere live on a stage. So. Um, it's it's all kinds of trade-offs here and there. Um, but again, th that's the thing that I miss most, like you say, Mark, uh, the interaction with the audience, um, having a little talk before, having a little talk after what they think, uh, have a little discussion on the topic that you maybe just presented. Um, and definitely, like you say, like, you know, you like to make a joke or you like to say this or that, and then how the audience responds to that. And maybe even more important, like the things that you're trying to bring um, is the audience like at the same level as you do you need to go faster do you need to go slower um, and that's all very hard to to get from your camera that you're looking into so apart from the internet bandwidth what I also noticed is whenever you are presenting in person the thing that your laptop has to drive is a projector which is basically an external monitor so that that's quite easy doing for your uh, notebook one thing that I've noticed giving remote presentations, which can take quite a beating on your laptop, is when you have to stream your video, you're recording your stream. You also may have got a 
device emulator running or Visual Studio doing some compilation, that stuff going on in the background, and suddenly everything comes to a stutter. So I, I've noticed that I have been uh, tweaking my demos a bit to uh, take some pressure off the GPU because usually it's the uh, Intel coprocessor GPU that does all the heavy lifting. I do not have a graphics card somewhere stored away that I could just hook up for those calls. Um, but yeah, that that's one thing. Uh, I I don't know, I don't know the technical reason why this is so, but it seems that whenever you stream uh, something and use some web-based approach, the hardware requirements seem to be on a Bitcoin mining level machine that you need so everything runs smoothly. I didn't really have a lot of talks, like one in the past year, maybe. But that that was all the way to South Africa. And I, I was actually warned up front, uh, apparently in South Africa, they have this thing called load shedding, which is where the power company just blacks out entire neighborhoods on some sort of schedule. Um, so I was told up front that there might be a blackout and there might be things happening that uh, would would kind of ruin the thing. But it was it went well. But yeah, there are these kinds of things like these external factors, someone cutting an internet wire somewhere and the entire conference is dead, you know, like that kind of stuff uh, does factor into this whole thing. But it's it. I found the experience. It's I. I was obviously you're less nervous because you're just talking into your own monitor instead of standing in front of an entire crowd. But it was a nice experience, nonetheless. Interesting point you bring up there with the power cut. So I remember at least being in one conference where one speaker suddenly lost internet connection because yeah, I don't know, someone cut the wires or something like that, and so they. In a follow-up thing, they then said, well, be sure to have maybe your mobile hotspot nearby. So if something happens, you can quickly switch over and then give on the presentation. So those were some preparations I was not used to be doing, giving a, a talk. But all in all, I uh, Gerald, you mentioned it before. I mean, there was literally no travel time. That's really nice. And you could sometimes even have a talk in the middle of the day. So, yeah, you could just work around it sometimes. So I think there, there are some benefits to it, but I still missed uh, seeing and talking with the people uh, before and after. I miss you too, Mark. And on that confession of Gerald, we have come to an end of remote versus local conferences and our experiences over the past year. We have been your hosts, Mark Alibone, Stephen Davison, and Gerald Schleus. What are your experiences with remote conferences or in-person conferences over the last year? Please let us know on Twitter at nullpointers.io. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe and until next week on Null Pointers. Bop, bop.